The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Chaos to Calm with our hosts, Jackie Blunt, Kathy Fogarty, and Bill McMillan. On our program, let us introduce you to Renshui and a very special state of well-being, relaxation, calm, and improved health. Real change in your life starts here. Now, Chaos to Calm. Welcome to Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. My name is Jackie Blunt, and I have the pleasure of hosting our show, Chaos to Calm. In this series of programs, you'll hear from people who are enjoying living their lives in a calm and relaxed state, using tools derived from ancient wisdom traditions. Ren Shui is a comprehensive path to wellness that works on opening our hearts and clarifying our minds. Ren Shui also has tools to work directly on the body and its energy, or chi. One tool is Yuan Gong, a contemporary form of Qigong that melds graceful movements with meditation and breath to improve health and well-being. Another tool is working directly on the habitual patterns of the mind. Our episode today is called, How Do I Get In This Mess? And my guest today is Vanessa Lukes. Vanessa is a Yuan Gong and Renshu teacher and therapist from Christchurch, New Zealand. Having fully experienced the benefits of better health that Renshu has brought to her life, she enjoys helping others along the path to well-being. Welcome, Vanessa. Oh, hi. Thanks, Jackie. Lovely to be here. It's great to have you on the show. Mm. Vanessa and I are going to be having a chat today about just how much the mind matters in shaping a happy, healthy life. Mm. Indeed. And Jackie, I'd just like to introduce you a little bit. Uh, You've been a family doctor for over 20 years, and you also present on science of brain development to a wide variety of audiences. As well as this, you're a Renshu and Yuangong teacher. So you work a lot with people who want to improve their lives and people who've perhaps had turmoil in their health and life. Can you share some of your experiences? From there. Thanks, Vanessa. It's um it's really nice to be here talking to you about it today because it's it is certainly true that in everyday life I frequently see people who um, are feeling like their lives are really in a mess mm. and there's a lot of turmoil and often a lot of change when people get sick and they don't they don't want to get sick. I don't want to get sick. Who mm. who does want to get sick? Exactly. Everyone wants to be healthy. Everyone <laughs> wants to be healthy. And I know you have some experience of that yourself. I do. Yes. So, you know, when I'm working with people, obviously as a medical doctor, we need to deal with things on a physical side and do our very best with the body. But certainly what I've found is that when we are able to work together and bring the mind on board, People can make healthy change. People can recover 
so much more quickly. Mm. You know, even people with difficult diseases like cancer, um, when the mind is on board and thinking positively and open to learning everything that we can from the experience, it's incredible just how well the journey can go through illness and disease. Mm. Well, that's wonderful. And um, the brain science that you present on, does that explain a little bit about why the mind is so important? The brain science that we have currently is amazing. Mm. You know, the last couple of decades have been a complete revelation in terms of how the brain works, how the brain and the body are integrated together. And I find it incredibly useful in understanding myself and also in understanding my patterns of thinking and and for other people as well. So when I use the word patterns, I mean it in a Renshway sense to mean habitual patterns of thinking and being, but I also mean it in a neurological sense to mean the hardwiring that we develop in our brain around a particular way of thinking or a particular way of behaving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so much of that is set up in our early life. Mm. So it's like a fixed routine, if you like, that the brain responds to. It's very much like a fixed routine, and, and yet at the same time, you know, we know that there's this incredible element of neuroplasticity, so that even though those very early years of childhood are the most plastic time of the brain, you know, those 86 billion neurons are all there when the baby is born. But Sorry, hang on a minute, how many? <laughs> About 86 billion. 86 billion. <laughs> yes, and, and you and I have a similar amount to that newborn baby. Is that right? Yeah. Gosh. Amazing, isn't it? It's fascinating. It's, but in those early years, that baby is going from neurons to neighborhoods. You know, everything neurons is connecting. To <laughs> neurons to neighborhoods. <laughs> it's, like it's a bit like, you know, starting with one friend on Facebook and then that friend contacts 10 friends and each of those 10 friends contact 10 friends. Only it's hugely more than that in terms of just how many connections that baby's brain is making. Wow. So, you know, a, a two-year-old's brain is actually much denser than ours in terms of its connection because it hasn't gone through the um, phase where we do quite a lot of pruning, which is, you probably remember that time from your own life, called adolescence. Oh, yes, <laughs> adolescence. <laughs> that wonderful time. So, you know, what we know about the brain now is that um, the brain connects up according to the experiences that it receives in life. Right. So all the potential is there. But the brain will only connect up in healthy ways if it's given the right kind of attention. And that very much comes in the context of relationship. Okay. How interesting. So when you say right kind of connection, what exactly is that? So it's funny, isn't it, when you use the term right? What I should really say is a healthy kind of connection. So a brain that connects up, that's able to keep learning through life, that... Um, has a, a first response to people which is positive rather than fearful, so a pro-social um, trust, a, a brain that can trust in relationship and can form up and connect relationship mm. in relationship to other people and also everything in its environment. So if you like, we have to learn how to be a relating human being mm. and we learn that from those early relationships. Mm. So when you say early, how early is this? So we're really talking about the first thousand days of a child's life. 
thousand days. Gosh, so that's like three years. Yeah, is it? yeah. yeah. And of yeah. course, we keep changing after that. And you know, it's not that a four-year-old isn't incredibly open and learning so much and connecting because they are, but a lot of the kind of mainframe, if you like, of the brain has been established in those early years. And when we come into adulthood and we start working with practices where we work directly on our mind and we change our mind, we're often changing patterns that have their roots way back in those early years. Mm. And we can change them. Mm. But we need to know how. (laughs) (laughs) That's a relief. It certainly is a relief. Mm. So... It is possible to change even if something happened to us when we were very little. The brain can reshape itself. Is that what you're saying? It is possible to change, but the earlier things happen to us, the more difficult that is and the more support we need. So it's important to understand the kind of different levels of the way the brain patterns up. So, you know, as soon as I say 86 billion, you understand this is a vastly complex system of networks. Yeah. And, you know, right now I'm going to simplify it down into a model of just three parts of the brain. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously some important bits I'm missing from that model. But it's a way of understanding your brain in a way that I teach people every day. Mm. It is really useful in changing mm. how you think and how you feel. Mm. So. Down in the kind of basement area, if you like, is our survival brain. You know, that's our brain stem and our cerebellum. And our brain stem is largely hooked up when we're born. So we can breathe and we can eat. You know, we, we doctors get pretty agitated if that part isn't hooked up. And so do parents. <laughs> so brain stem is hooked up and then the cerebellum is coming online and it's really looking after movement and coordination, but all sorts of other things as well. So, you know, babies start to crawl and move and walk and all those things. And then those layers form the foundation or, if you like, the the piles, the foundation of a house that you're building, if you think of the brain as being like a house. And next sort of layer up is what we call the limbic system, and that's our social-emotional brain. Mm. So that's like our learning disposition. It's how we feel about ourselves, how we relate to the world. And it's really created in that serve and return of that very early relationship, particularly with the closest person, which Mm -hmm. would usually be the mother, but not always, Mm -hmm. and also the other people around that dyad. Mm. So when you say serve and return, you mean? I mean the interaction between the baby and its parent. Right, yes. That constant social interaction that a baby gets when it smiles at its mum or its dad and hopefully mum or dad mostly smile back. You know, you can see the contrast between that and a baby which is looking at a screen a lot. You know, the baby might smile at the screen, but the screen just keeps doing whatever it's doing. So a lot of screen time for under twos isn't recommended. You know, there's some great stuff on that on the American Academy of Pediatrics because to become a social person, we need an example so that we can hook up the neurons. Oh, this is how we become a social person. Mm, How interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite, it is fascinating. And that social emotional brain forms the foundation for the higher brain, you know, the cortex. And that's often what we think of when we think of our brain. We think about our ability to plan and strategize and think and learn. But that part needs those bottom layers to be really well established. So getting back to what you were saying about patterns and can we change patterns, Mm. it's obviously 
the, the higher up the brain we go, if you like, the more plastic we become. So it's much easier to change our plans about what we were going to do today, but the weather's changed. So maybe we're not going to the beach today. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe it's a nice day to kind of hang around home and light a fire if it's really cold. Um, it's really easy to change patterns at that sort of level. But as you go deeper into the brain and you start working with patterns which are more your kind of personality, mm-hmm. you know, down in that social, emotional brain, like how do I feel when I'm in a group of people? How do I feel when I meet a new person? Why is it that... Um, I always feel anxious when I meet this kind of person or, you know, all all kinds of things like that. Then it gets a little bit more um, um, tricky, shall I say, to work with those patterns. And you need really good tools and and you need to know kind of what you're doing in there. And then if if you really need to get down into the basement, into your survival brain, particularly if things were really difficult for you in those early years, then... It's good to know that that's kind of like shake, rattle, and roll for the brain. <laughs> you know, that's the roots of stuff. Right. So it's it, it's really good to get down and, and do some healing work there, but it needs lots of love and support. Right, right. And as, you know, you're a medical doctor, you're a brain science presenter, you're also this Ren Shui Yuangong teacher. How does Ren Shui... Um, bring in tools to help this change happen. So one of the things that I, I really enjoy about Ren Shui is that it puts a real focus on looking after yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, just, and I can relate that straight away to the brain. So Ren Shui talks about looking after yourself physically. So there are patterns around the way we look after ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I first came to Ren Shui and I was quite sick and uh, one of the first things I had to learn was actually to keep my whole body warm. Right. Because I, I had a pattern about not really caring for the for my legs. You know, that doesn't didn't matter if my feet were cold or freezing most of the winter. Mm. Actually, it did matter a lot when it came to having um, sore joints or great joints, right. <laughs> joints that worked and moved easily with no pain. They, mm. they like being warm, those joints. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, even on that most basic kind of brainstem survival level, you know, looking at the patterns of the way we look after ourselves, do we get enough sleep? You know, when I look at Ren Shui and I look at the patterns that we talk about there and I look at the brain stuff and I look at seeds, for example, just basic mm. ways of caring for our brain as part of our body. Mm. So Seeds? Seeds. Sounds like gardening, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's an acronym and it stands for sleep, uh-huh. um, exercise, education, diet, and socialising. So how many of us in this world are so busy that we don't get enough sleep? Yeah, well, it's it's not always easy, is it, when there's so many things to do? And it's it's not always easy. And, and um, you know, it's not always easy. There are so many things to do. So we can start looking at a pattern that we might have, say, around sleep. Why don't I get enough sleep? Why am I always tired? And then that might link into other patterns like, well, I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. I've got so much to do. I've got Mm -hmm. so many responsibilities. And so on and so on and so on. So the thing I really like about Ren Shui is that when we're doing pattern work, we see if we can get to the roots of that pattern. Yeah. So what do you think might be at the roots of a pattern of being really busy? 
being really busy, well, I mean, this is a really, it's easy to fall into that, isn't it? <laughs> I find it's almost like I get sucked into being busy. And it, it sort of sucks me in and it takes away my care for myself almost. I almost feel like I'm not respecting myself as much as I could be when I don't take that time to, as you say, have a good sleep, look after myself well. Um, yeah, perhaps I just need to step out of the busyness and come back to what is very important, which is looking after me, myself. And that's one of those principles of Renshui is to start with oneself, help yourself first, help look after your health, your life, your chi, and then by doing that, we're in a better space to help other people. Mm. And it's really interesting because that's not something we learn as medical practitioners. <laughs> <laughs> took me a long time to learn to look after myself. So, you know, we're going to talk in the next section about healthy patterns, you know, about how we can transform our minds and transform our thinking to create life that is really good. But sometimes... We need a, a kind of a something to measure our patterns by, don't we? Yes. We need a standard. You mean what is a good pattern? What is healthy for life? That's right. Because we have all sorts of different reference points, don't we? That's right. Good. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you after the break about what are healthy patterns? How can we really get the mind to create a wonderful life? Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks, Jackie. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. So many people live from one crisis to another, with each crisis taking an emotional and often even a physical toll. It doesn't have to be like that. Renshue can help you change the patterns that keep you locked in stress. It can help you learn to live life from a calm, relaxed, natural state, even in the face of challenging circumstances. Renshue integrates gentle exercise and moving meditation with a modern understanding of health and wellness. The practice has helped many to reduce anxiety and stress, gain greater mental focus and clarity, improve their physical health, or simply enhance their energy level. To learn more about how Wrenchway can help you, visit our website, wrenchwayamericas.org. That is R-E-N-X-U-E, Americas with an S, dot O-R-G. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Chaos to Calm with Jackie Blunt, Kathy Fogarty, and Bill McMillan. To find out more about Renshui, what we do, and how it can benefit you, visit our website, www.renxueamericas.org. Now back to Chaos to Calm. Welcome back to Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. My name is Jackie Blunt and I have the pleasure of hosting our episode today, Mind Matters, 
how do I get into this mess? With me today is Vanessa Lukes, and we're going to be talking about patterns of mind, habits of mind, and what's healthy. So Vanessa, you're a Ren Shui teacher, and I know from what you've told me about yourself that you've done a lot of work on yourself and changing your life by changing your mind. So can you tell me something more about that? Yeah, sure. Well, it's interesting you say a lot of work on myself because it is work, but it's kind of a fun work. It's almost like a voyage of discovery, really. You know, you dig a little bit and discover something and then you find something else. It's like, wow, (laughs) isn't the mind a beautiful thing? Isn't life a beautiful, creative process? And for me, patterns are part of that beautiful part of life. You know, patterns come in all different colors and shapes and sizes. And some of these patterns are very supporting for life. They, from a Ren Shui point of view, we say they they build qi, they look after our qi. And when qi is strengthening in the body, Our physical bodies can be healthy. It also helps to support the mind by bringing extra energy for the mind. So um, the healthy patterns, if you like, um, they're the ones that I have spent time building and um, working on. So Vanessa, you were talking there about the relationship between chi and mind and life. So just correct me if I'm wrong or if I just want to reflect back if I heard you right. You were saying that um, when you have practices, so if you like patterns of behavior mm-hmm. that support your chi, that build your chi, such as Yuan Gong, Qi Gong practice, that helps to stabilize and support your mind. Was that what you were saying? Yes. So I was, um, from a chi point of view, when your chi is strong and flowing well and healthy, it flows on to nourish the mind. It gives more energy to helping realign our thoughts to a more healthy way of viewing the world. And change does need energy, doesn't it? It does. I mean, you mentioned sleep in the first section. And, um, you know, sleep is one way that we top up our energy levels. And Qigong, Ren, uh, practice, that's another way as well. So, in a way, it's quite important to have that practice as a foundation or some kind of good practice to give the mind stability before you go transforming it. Because as you said, the mind is such a beautiful and necessary condition to life, isn't it? Mm. A healthy mind. Mm. So, you want to you want to play with it in a way that is good for it. That's right. Yes. And through the Yuangong practice... Often you can get into a beautiful, calm, relaxed state. It's just a lovely natural feeling that kind of washes over you as you're practicing. And um, that state of mind is one where we start to view things more positively in a brighter light, which supports the overall mind flowering. And does that make it easier to see what are healthy patterns of thinking, of being? How do you work out what's a good way of thinking? What? How do you work out what you need to change? What's your standard? Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, well, absolutely, I have found over the years that the practice has really um, strengthened my 
connection and feeling with this qi life force, the energy, if you like. And Ren Shui uses qi as the standard for whether a pattern is good for life or not so healthy for life. Because qi is like the foundation, it's the building blocks of our health and our life, we want to be doing things and thinking in a way which is supporting the qi. Once we start to think in a way which drains away our qi or uses up our qi, if you like, then that is going against the basis of life. And that's, I think that's a great way of looking at it. But I also think, what about for people who don't have an experience of qi? Yeah. Well, perhaps I can just say simply, what makes your life better? What makes you happier? And is it just about your life? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say absolutely then. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Okay. But your life is where to start. Ah, okay. So <laughs> it starts with your life and then it flows on and out from there. But you are the one to start with. <laughs> okay, so, so it starts with your life, your mm. own personal life, and you you are looking to see whether what sort of effect this way of thinking and being has on chi, mm. and you're looking at the effect of it on yourself, and you're also looking at the effect of it on life around you. Mm. Okay. Do you have some experience that you could share with us that would kind of clarify that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I think... Um, for me, when I started this practice, I had no idea of chi, no feeling of it. What I could see was changes in how I felt in my mind. I felt calmer. My health started to improve. And I just felt really content, actually, just like well-being inside. It was like a... I, I never really experienced that before. And that is perhaps the, the standard to judge it by. Look at your life. Are you feeling happier? Are you feeling brighter? How about you, Jackie? Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? I think um, before I became a little bit familiar with chi, it was much the same as as the way you're describing it. And I think one place that I've really seen a change is in my kitchen at home. <laughs> Your kitchen. <laughs> Your kitchen. <laughs> so I guess before I before I really started looking at my mind and how it was working and the patterns, you know, I have um, I have a, a busy working life and a busy family. I have three children. They're all teenagers now. And our kitchen is frequently somewhat disorderly, you might say. <laughs> and... I used to walk into the kitchen and feel incredibly frustrated and for some reason it was very hard then to actually talk to my family in a in a, um, a gentle and playful way and it was even harder to get everybody in to do the dishes. Consequently, I noticed I had a little bit of a pattern of feeling martyred in the kitchen as if it was all resting on my shoulders. So, so first of all, I kind of changed the pattern in, a, in an external way and I practiced being calm in the kitchen. 
And then I followed this Renshui path and used the tool of digging deeper. And I came to realize that I had quite a strong pattern of thinking I had to do everything myself. So I, I disassembled that pattern. And I looked around me and I looked out at nature and I realized just how incredibly supported my life was by everything around me, my my house, my um, husband, my kids, how much love I received from them and the trees providing shade, the garden providing food, and society providing amazing opportunities. And as I changed this feeling of martyrdom and anger into gratitude, the kitchen became a much happier place. <laughs> and people began to tidy up after themselves. <laughs> it's, you know, it's been a gradual process, but it's been such a joy. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So how you change yourself and then the dishes got done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not all the time. Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's also part of it, isn't it? It's doing it again and again. Um, yeah, it's like we start off in a new way and we need to do that new way a few times to get familiar with it that's definitely true and it's Mm. you know part of our neurology is that we need to go backwards and forwards um you know a lot of times doing the same thing over and over again before that new neurological pathway becomes insulated we call it myelinated Mm -hmm. and then it becomes automatic for you right so, Do you know how many times? Well, there are a lot of urban <laughs> myths about that. Okay. But, you know, so 90 to 100 is what, what people say and what we know from programs in addiction and things like that is that you actually have to do the new thing every time, one after another, and not break out into the old pattern to be really effective. But there are other ways of myelinating faster. Some of them are having fun. Mm-hmm. laughing, really enjoying yourself. Fantastic. Yep. That's what I like. And then there are other <laughs> ways that involve shock, and we don't normally go for those. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that I really um, also noticed about changing that pattern in the kitchen, I I had lots more energy in that sort of five to seven time. So it was really good for me. In the morning? In the, no, in the evening. Mm. I used to be really tired in that time when I needed to cook and mm. do the dishes and make sure the kids were all fed and when I usually had a busy day at work. So I noticed that, you know, when I was in the kitchen and kind of humming along and feeling good and and treating people well, it was it was easy. Yeah. You know, so it felt it was really good for me. And and not only that, you can imagine it's not hard to realize that it's really good for the kids not to have mum breathing down their neck and <laughs> letting them know they're doing a bad job. <laughs> but actually being fun and encouraging them and saying, yeah. you know, come on in and help me. You know, we, we, we need to do some dishes. And actually keeping on doing that in a happy way, even the first time and the sixth time. Yes. (laughs) And so it has really good effects on the people around you too, that staying in a good state. Yes. That's wonderful. What about you? Are there there patterns that you've changed and you've seen really good effects? Yes. Well, one that comes to mind is a boss that I had um, about 10 years ago now, um, a wonderful boss, one of my best teachers, I have to say, because I learned so much about myself. Um, what I found was that perhaps he had a different view on what is on equality to me. So I wasn't particularly impressed with how he treated some of the staff. 
including myself. Um, so I got a big feeling of anger whenever I saw him, which was quite often because we had quite a small work workspace at that time. So it was a big pattern for me to change. And I started by really realizing how draining this feeling of anger was for me. I just felt just this anger was kind of eating me up <laughs> inside whenever I went to work, which is, you know, five days a week. Um, so I just had the sense that, okay, I really need to change and I can only change myself. So let's do it. And what I did was whenever I got to work, I would go into the bathroom and I would spend a few minutes there and I would really get into what we call a, a qigong state, like the start of a yuengong practice, just relaxing my body and relaxing my mind. And then I would just feel as calm, relaxed and full of joy as I could be. And then I would step out of the bathroom saying to myself in my mind, calm, relaxed and natural calm, relaxed and natural, I'd almost like sing it to myself on the inside. So when I stepped into the workroom, there was my boss, hello, I'm calm, relaxed and natural. But, but you weren't saying that out loud, I were you? I wasn't saying that out loud, no, <laughs> just in my mind. So those three words really helped me, just repeating to myself and feeling that sense of my body. And gradually I could kind of... Um, get to a point of not reacting when I saw him. So no anger, just no sort of sense of anything, just, ah, there, there he is. And it took a long time, I have to say. It wasn't overnight, um, but after a few months, then I could really feel much happier. And even to the state that after, I don't know, perhaps the next year, I could actually think, oh, great, there's Jim. Hi. <laughs> I was actually quite happy to see him. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And that mm. must have had um, a really good effect on you. Did it create um, more ease at work? Did, what, what sort oh. of benefit did you see for oh, yourself? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I just found, you know, I would go to work and I would feel happy to go, not that sense of reluctance had gone. When I came home from work, I found I could leave it behind. Before that, I would come home and it was chewing away in my mind, <laughs> thoughts about him and my emotional state. And then, you know, it was so relieving to be able to let that go. And, and I can really relate to that because so much of our mental busyness comes from bringing things forward from things that have already happened and keeping on going over and over them in our minds. And the other thing I was thinking when you were talking, you know, getting upset is a form of stress for our brain and, and it engages the stress response. When we engage the stress response, we have more blood flow to the parts of ourselves that we need to fly or fight, like our muscles in our brain, but less to our digestion you know, those important places where we need to tend and befriend, rest and digest. So when you went through that process and you weren't spending every day in an angry state anymore, 
Did you find that there was any physical benefit? Did you notice any change in your body? I could certainly feel the tangible sense of more relaxed and um, lightness inside. Fantastic. So I think that let's round up the session now. And after the break, let's talk about some of those great feelings, some of those really joyful feelings and the ease that comes from doing this work in the best possible way. So what really helps us to be calm, relaxed and natural? Thanks, Vanessa. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. So many people live from one crisis to another, with each crisis taking an emotional and often even a physical toll. It doesn't have to be like that. Renshue can help you change the patterns that keep you locked in stress. It can help you learn to live life from a calm, relaxed, natural state, even in the face of challenging circumstances. Renshue integrates gentle exercise and moving meditation with a modern understanding of health and wellness. The practice has helped many to reduce anxiety and stress, gain greater mental focus and clarity, improve their physical health, or simply enhance their energy level. To learn more about how Renshue can help you, visit our website, renshueamericas.org. That is R-E-N-X-U-E-Americas with an S, dot O-R-G. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Chaos to Calm with Jackie Blunt, Kathy Fogarty, and Bill McMillan. To find out more about Renshui, what we do, and how it can benefit you, visit our website, www.renxueamericas, with an S, dot O-R-G. Now back to Chaos to Calm. Welcome back to Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'm Jackie Blunt, and I have the pleasure of hosting this show, Chaos to Calm. So our episode today, how did I get into this mess? It's myself and Vanessa Lukes who are hosting this program really together. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Jackie. Great. How do we get into this mess and how do we get out of it? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's more to the point, isn't it? It is, yes. Great. So we've been talking about um, the mind and patterns of mind, patterns of thinking and behaving, a little bit about the neurological basis for that. So now we're going to talk about what makes it easy to change, what makes it fun and a really joyful path. So Vanessa, I wonder what gems you have to share with us about that. Well, joy, (laughs) (laughs) laughing. (laughs) For me, this work is fun. (laughs) In fact, it's not work at all. It's more like playing with the mind. Um, Of course, there's serious things to address. Um, things which have taken life off track and things I want to improve in my life. Um, But when I do that in a lighthearted way, when I make jokes about myself, when I laugh at myself, 
um, often I notice, you know, for example, if I'm, I catch myself repeating something that I want to change and I go, ah, oh, there you go again. <laughs> Hello, pattern. And it uh, just helps me to sort of break that cycle a wee bit. So mm. I, I don't get the feeling of any kind of self-blame or self-criticism in there. Did you have those things to deal with, as many of us do, when you were sort of starting on this work of really looking at yourself and seeing what was working well and what wasn't working so well? Um, um, perhaps I wouldn't say so much self-criticism as like realisation that I hadn't understood or hadn't had the teachings or learnings not through anyone's fault. <laughs> so more a progression mm. from lack of knowing towards knowing mm. and wisdom and understanding. Exactly, yeah. I mean, at school I had never learned anything about the mind and um, how to use it positively and the advantages in doing that and etc. So um, it's natural that I hadn't been using my mind in such a healthy way, perhaps. It's, yes, it's interesting, isn't it? We know so much, and yet in so many ways we're still lacking self-knowledge and self-awareness. And I know as a parent that it's been something really important to teach my kids, mm. you know, just how important their mind is and what they can do with it and how every thought, every feeling is creating the fabric of their lives and weaving that fabric all the time. Um, and I see that when kids learn about that, they are much more able to create a happy life, even from mm. an early age. Mm, that's great. And how do your kids respond to that? Because, I mean, out there in the playground, you know, out there in real life, we don't talk about this kind of thing. So how, how do your kids feel? I think... Um, they all, they all react in different ways because they're all different. But I think what my kids really value is um, the ability to step back from situations and look at them, look at a situation from lots of different angles. Mm. Because, you know, we take whatever comes, real life situations, bullying, failure at something, um, getting too busy, and, and we talk about them. And we listen and learn from what the kids have got to say because their generation has a different experience to us. And then, you know, we really reflect on how they're thinking about that situation. Mm. You know, so if someone has given one of them a really hard time, you know, we will meet them and connect with how they feel, you mm. know, really be there for them and mm. that, that way one needs to be as a parent. And then we'll kind of talk around it and talk about what might be happening for the other person and come back to what, what my child is thinking and doing in that situation and what options they have, mm. you know, so that more and more they get the idea that no matter what happens, they've always got choice. Yes, that's very powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And often when you change the way you look at things, the things change naturally. Absolutely they do. And mm. I was, you know, last night... Some, I was just having difficulty getting off to sleep and I've had a lot of experience with not being able to get to sleep. I'm much, much better at it than I used to be, so it's rare now that I don't. Um, but I've had to change a lot of patterns along the way 
But last night, having changed a lot of patterns, like getting frustrated that I wasn't going to sleep and negative patterns about thinking how I would be in the morning and getting more stressed out about that and then not going to sleep. You know, I've, okay, I've done a lot of work there. So last night, there I was lying awake thinking, well, I've got a really interesting day tomorrow and I want to be right on top of things and I'm not going to sleep. So I started working with the qualities of the heart mm. because that's another way of changing patterns that I often use at home. Wonderful. Qualities of the heart? Mm. The qualities of the heart, again, not something that we talk about a lot in the West, you know, but we do talk about warm-hearted, yeah. open-hearted. Kind-hearted. Kind-hearted. So it's really around those um, those kind of words and it's describing a state or a feeling. So in Renshu, we talk about um, these qualities of being trust, openness, love, gratitude, and real deep respect. And so last night, I thought, okay, this is great. I'll just start with trust. Mm. And so I just started playing with feeling that I could trust myself and I could trust my brain and my body and my mind to shut off and let go. And the next thing I woke up and it was morning. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> so sometimes it's really simple like that and sometimes it's it's not so simple and I, I have to and I and I look to see which of those qualities is maybe missing in a situation. Mm. You know, maybe I'm with someone that I that I trust and I feel quite open towards what they're saying and um, but maybe I'm a bit shut down from them you know I think I'm open but I don't have a particularly um, loving feeling towards them sometimes I might be really mad with them mm. you know and I don't want to show that you know I'm being a nice person so if I work on the quality that I find is is really not present I find that often takes me right to the root of my patterns right you know it's like well why am I angry with this person <laughs> like you said often I just get such a good laugh with myself. <laughs> like, oh no, not that again. <laughs> and then, you know, then of course I feel more loving towards them because I've just learned something else. Yes. And, you know, this makes it sound really simple, doesn't it? And it's it's often not simple. You know, you, you keep chipping away at it and you keep working. But what I really enjoy about working with the five Shing qualities is that it does seem to make change happen a lot faster and with much more joy. Yeah, that's wonderful. What about your experience? Yes, I have found these five words so helpful too for changing um, the way I view things, um, especially when I find I start with myself. So um, I bring those thoughts into me, like the trust, and I feel inside my body for example, or feel it into my, my life. Um, so I, or the, the openness and the, the gratitude. So what are you doing with your mind when you bring it into yourself? Yeah, well, what I do is I just really relax my whole body and that doesn't have to be very long. It can be a very short process of just gently lifting up from the top of your head. It's like it's a string on your top of your head and then, like take a deep breath in and let your shoulders relax and feel your chest relax and kind of soften right through my whole body. And and then I bring my 
awareness, my thoughts. I just let my mind fill the space inside my body and with it's bringing my mind inside. And then I like to focus on my heart, feeling my heart and feeling trust in the center of my chest and it's like that trust is expanding out through my body. So that's how I do it. <laughs> Amazing. Sorry, I'm just you? lost in the feeling <laughs> because it feels so nice. Oh, wonderful. So <clears throat> I think you should, sometimes I do it in the same way and um, sometimes I kind of use my mind to interact with a situation. So um, it might be that I'm just not I'm not sure what I'm feeling mm-hmm. so then I will just one of the things I love about Yuangong practice is that it's really strengthened the observer in my mind so I can kind of look at myself and see what I'm really thinking yes. underneath what I want to be thinking <laughs> yes <laughs> and I what know. and what I'm really feeling you know what what is that little corner of awkwardness in my heart you know what what is that to do with and it's just hiding away in there and and the other thing that these five Shin qualities have helped me to do is to look at myself with love. Yes. And that is not love without honesty. It is love with as much honesty as I can find. But true love and the sense of seeing myself as I really am and also seeing the incredible ability that I have as a human being and we all have to change and to create something amazing inside my heart, inside my life, inside my relationships. So um, I use those five Shen qualities in practice and also in everyday life situations all the, all the time. You know, life brings you so much, doesn't it? It does. Sometimes a bit overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> then I like to go and do practice. <laughs> So you mentioned five shin qualities. You should. Ah, yes, sorry, I'm using the Chinese word. So it, 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 it's the five. That's those five qualities of the heart. So the trust, the trust, openness, openness, love, love, gratitude, gratitude, and respect, and respect. Mm. Mm. And you know when you're thinking with those qualities. My mind naturally wants to think of other people in a good way. It's it's quite amazing how it transforms your life. You know, I um, have a good relationship with my parents, and one of my parents has since passed. And but there was with one of my parents, there was always a particular part that felt awkward. Mm. And you know, I've been working on changing my mind for a long time, and. Um, really wanting to completely love this parent, not really knowing why I didn't, but kind of figuring it was way back in the roots of those early childhood days where we often don't remember. That's in our implicit memory. It's just kind of part of who we are. And it was by, you know, being with that parent and being with that parent and actually being with myself and listening to what was going on in my heart, that I was able to give myself what I needed at the time. Beautiful. So, you know, in, in seeing that I needed to just have more love in my heart mm. and, and more gratitude, mm. 
I was able to be with my parent and actually really love them, mm. which was an amazing transformation. You know, I no longer felt like I just needed to leave within half a day. Mm. So, you know, lots of potential there, even transforming the oldest relationships that you have. Yeah. Wow. So, what about you? Well, um, yes, I find day-to-day, you know, things come up and it's always a chance to, to practice and I have become more aware of my thoughts which tick over in my happy, chatty little brain um, and some of those thoughts are really good. Some of them, you know, maybe not quite what I would like to think. So pretty easy to see the ones even if you're not thinking about chi that aren't so good for life well actually um sometimes it is like um not so long ago we were building our little house and we were building a deck on the veranda and the deck has a lot of nails that you need to hammer in like thousands of nails you're hammering in to attach the wood hard work yeah but i was hammering in these nails and then all of a sudden all the nails started bending and I thought hang on what's different (laughs) same nails what am I doing differently and I thought oh my gosh for the last few minutes I've been thinking really bad thoughts about a particular person wow it was so powerful I was like oh wow so okay good state calm relaxed and sure enough, all the nails went in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I must remember to that next time I'm building something. Well done. It was amazing. So I guess in summary, what we're, say, what we're talking about here is transforming the patterns, the habit patterns of the mind and, and how we do that. Yes. How we do that in a really effective but joyful way. That's right. Bringing in the chi, bringing in the joy. Practice. Practice, <laughs> practice, 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 yeah. and and understanding the neurological basis for forming up a new habit. You know that that we can all change, but we do need to practice and repeat it over and over again. And I remember hearing from a neurosurgeon that really the brain is like a rainforest. So what we're looking at doing when we change a really um, strong habit is actually just we're stopping watering that tree and giving it fertilizer hmm. so it can just get old gracefully and then wither away hmm. and at the same time we're planting a proud young new species very close by that is going to be even better in that spot even better for life so thank you so much Vanessa and um, thank you for everything that you've brought your insights and your fun and joy thank you Jackie it's been a pleasure. And thank you to all our, of our listeners. Thank you for listening to Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and our program, Chaos to Come. How do I get in this mess? Stay tuned next week to hear more stories from people like you and like us who are learning to deal more effectively with the challenges of daily life from a calm, relaxed and natural state. Thank you for joining us for Chaos to Calm. Next week, we will continue to explore the concept of Renshui and how to live a calm and happy life. Please join us for another edition of our program next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 
4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.